Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. I kind of stuck daggers in my heart, and I still bleed through that hole that you put there. In humility, speaking those things. Because in humility and love, the Holy Spirit can work through that. And he can tenderize that heart of one that may have offended not even known it. Wouldn't that be a shame if we went through our lives week after week, month after month, year after year being offended because somebody said something? They never knew that they offended, and if they had known, man, they would have repented, and they would have been brokenhearted because of what they said or what they did, and they didn't realize that it hurt you so much. How can we come with humility and love to somebody who has offended us? Offenses happen, but Pastor David will teach us Jesus' heart for reconciliation and forgiveness. Whether we like it or not, we will be offended throughout our life, and we will offend people too. So it's crucial that we practice the biblical way of resolving these issues. As believers, we are called to restore relationships. Pastor David will ask important questions and teach us ways to work towards reconciliation. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, The Call to Forgiveness. berate and they mock and they scorn someone like a Tim Tebow because he would dare stand for his faith. I could go on and on about these attacks to young believers, the entertainment industry mocking Christianity every chance they get, government regulations ruling uh, more and more against biblical standards. You just need to understand that in this world it's impossible for these offenses not to come. But woe to that man by whom they come. And Jesus says, man, you need to take heed to yourselves. You need to be careful. It's a warning for all believers because all of us are subject to these same kind of attacks in our faith. We need to be founded. We need to be grounded. We need to be knowledgeable, not only knowing what we believe, but why we believe it. It's so easy many times to be discouraged, to be pulled away from our faith if we're not grounded. These basics of the faith need to be taught over and over again, not only to the young believers, but also for those who been believers for years. Man, just a refreshing, just a renewal of it. Why? Because you're being bombarded from every side against it. We're going to pick back up with, uh, again, classes on the foundations of the faith, a 10-week series, and we're going to kind of keep rotating that about these very things because it's so important for you and I to be grounded in these things. Now, the second of the issues here that Jesus is dealing with, Jesus reminded us that it's not just the world that causes people to stumble in their faith. Many times, believers can be responsible to cause the same, if not worse, offenses against each other. The fact is, is as we live our lives out as believers, 
There's a lot of times we're going to get offended. And there's a lot of times we're going to offend each other. I know that I've been an offense to others once or twice in my life. (laughs) Maybe once or twice a week or a day, but uh, listen to what he says in verse 3. And the second part, he moves on. He says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. There's no doubt they said increase our faith. If I'm gonna be giving that much forgiveness continually, my faith needs to be increased. Because after about the second, maybe the third time, I'm saying, hey, forget about it. Forget about it. But that's not what Jesus said. Been offended by somebody, you know, man, it's, it's your faith that's going to keep you strong. It's your faith that's going to allow you to be able to offer forgiveness to that one. I fully understand that probably every one of us in this room, we've been offended by, or we ourselves, we've been sinned against by fellow believers at one time or another. So how do we deal with those things? They said something to you or about you to others and it was far from complimentary. They broke a confidence that you felt that you had together. You trusted them, you opened your heart to them and suddenly you find out your whole story is being declared on the local gossip review. For no apparent reason, they completely blew you off when you had this very real, this very urgent need that you knew that they could help you with. Or they didn't follow through with their word and even when you and others depended upon their word. Maybe they cheated you in a business deal. (laughs) Does that happen in the Christian community? Oh yeah. Or maybe simply they were unfaithful in their friendship in some way. Let me make it really clear here. In, In areas of abuse, and in areas of addiction, it's a, it's a whole nother matter and you deal with those differently than what Jesus is speaking about here. He's speaking about the normal, regular offenses that, again, we can inflict on each other. Listen to another case story. This is Carmen. And as I read this, ask yourself, could you have been the one that caused the offense? Or perhaps you are the one that's been offended by something very similar. Carmen became a believer at a very early age, but she hadn't been to church now for over 10 years. Carmen grew up in a modest income family in an ethnically diverse area of the town, but she attended a large middle-class church with her grandmother, at least until May 2nd, 2006. On that particular Sunday, she overheard two of the prominent men within the church sharing these jokes about Hispanics and immigration. And one of these men had just taught her Sunday school class to love thy neighbor as Jesus commanded. What hypocrites. Because of that incident, Carmen hasn't set foot in a church since. Why should she go to a place that seems just as racist as the world around her? Why fellowship with other Christians if they can hurt you just as much, if not even more, as everyone else? yeah, we can be offensive. And yes, we can be offended. And as you grow in Christ, the question is, is how do you deal with those who have offended you? 
You simply hold a grudge, you ignore them, you, you write them off your Christmas list, you know, no more cards for them. Or maybe you're, you figure, well, I'll offend back, you know. You know, the, the Bible says a tooth for a tooth, an eye for an eye, that, that'll get them. Maybe you just try to forget about it. Maybe if I ignore the offense, it'll go away. Or maybe you gather your friends on a campaign against the offender and you set up battle lines and eventually they bring division and strife and actually those are the kinds of things that bring church splits. You know, none of those are options that Jesus allows. He gave us one and only one option when we are offended in how to deal with that. We have to be honest with the individual and in love tell them the offense. We have to let them know. It says rebuke them. It's not you're coming in and slamming the person. No, that's the idea of you're coming in and saying, hey, listen, you know what you said the other day when we were standing there in the group? And that just cut me to the heart. You really and truly did offend me by what you said and the things that you said. And you know, when you said that you were going to do this and you failed in doing it, I want you to know, man, that, that really hurt because we're depending upon you. And you know, we come to them with an abundance of humility. We come to them with an abundance of love. Why? Because the whole reason for that is reconciliation. You see, to restore relationship, that's what we're called to as believers, be reconciled to Christ, be reconciled to one another. You see it, if I'm just quiet about it, if I hold back and say, well, I'll just forget it, I'll just forget it. We don't forget it, do we? It just kind of stirs. Then every once in a while, it just kind of pops up its ugly head. And suddenly, bitterness finds a place to root within our hearts and lives. And suddenly there's bitterness and suddenly there's a wall between you and that individual. We can't ignore it. We've got to deal with it. We are called for that purpose of reconciliation. Now, for those of you that are non-confrontational in your personality, that's pretty difficult to go and to speak to somebody about that. It's much easier just to stew, just to simmer, just to ignore it but you know it's not going to be done away with. It's not gonna be done away with that way. If you allow bitterness to stay within your heart and soul, you need to realize it will destroy your soul. You've got to deal with it. When you've been offended, it does absolutely no one any good to stay silent about it and not confront the issue. Now, there are those of you who have uh, absolutely no problem confronting issues, you know, no problem at all. The problem is, is confronting it with the wrong attitude, okay? You're more than willing to shoot a few more daggers the other way yourself or to quote the queen of hearts to say, off with his head and you know, be, be done with the whole thing. But again, that's not the attitude of Christ either. Both of these are the wrong approach. Jesus gave us clear instructions how to deal with the issues of offense being sinned against by a brother or a sister. We've gotta be honest with the individual and in love, tell them the offense, and then you know what? If he repents, forgive him, forgive him. Which becomes the hardest part at that point? You know, coming and presenting the offense to the individual or finally coming to the point of forgiving. 
Let me throw one thing in. When you forgive, you lay it down. You do not pick it back up again. When you forgive, it's a done deal. That's why it can be seven times a day because I've laid it down. You're not keeping score. He repents, she repents. You lay it down. You walk forward at that point in time. But how many times do I have to forgive them? Again, the dialogue here in Luke, Jesus pretty plainly says, hey, if they come to you and they sin seven times, they come back to you seven times and repent, guess what? You forgive seven times. But oh, that eighth time, that's when you're gonna get them, yeah. Okay, now you've, you've gone over the limit now. Now, that's not the idea, that's not the principle of what he's saying. The principle of what he's saying is we forgive. Remember in, in that Matthew passage, uh, Matthew 18, Jesus talking to his disciples and Peter's got it figured out. He says, well, so how many times do I forgive my brother? Seven times, is that it? And what does Jesus say? No, 70 times seven. That's 490 for those of you who are math challenged. I know because I checked it twice on my calculator. 490 times. 223. 367. 485, man, are you gonna get it? No, that's not what it's about. Jesus is saying we forgive. We forgive. We forgive. Let me ask you this. How many times have you been forgiven by the Lord? You know, when we put it that way, then all of a sudden it, it brings it into perspective. As a matter of fact, Paul writes in Colossians chapter three, he says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, you need to be putting on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. And don't you wish he stopped right there? That's hard enough. But he continues on in verse 13. He says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. He writes the same thing in Ephesians chapter four. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And then he throws this in, just as God in Christ forgave you. So where's the limit, folks? We really miss it when we start counting. We miss the whole heart and the idea. We forgive even as Christ forgave us, so we do with others. Remember, the intent here is not to open you up to continual abuse or to enable somebody that, with ongoing addictions. That's not what we're talking about. Those are dealt differently. But in the normal realm of the offense that's going on, what about the one that doesn't admit that they're guilty? They don't admit their sin. They don't repent. Well, then we go to Matthew chapter 18, and Jesus shares very clearly in Matthew 18, beginning in verse 15, how you deal with an offending brother that, again, does not admit their guilt and does not come with an idea and a heart of, of repentance. In verse 15, he says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, you need to go and you need to tell him his fault just between you and him. Now, I would also put with this, depending upon the fault, you may need to bring somebody with you even at that first time. Just, that's just logic, that's just normal understanding. But it's not to make it loud and clear, it's not to proclaim this thing, this is a private thing, you've offended me, I'm going to go to you hopefully one-on-one -on -one and we're going to deal with. And he says, if he hears you, you've gained a brother. But if he will not hear, then take with you one or two more. 
in order that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. But if he refuses to hear them, then you tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. So in other words, I've come now, I've talked to the individual and they've not done anything, they've not changed, they've not repented, they've not admitted the guilt, so I brought others with me and they've still not. So okay, now today I've got an announcement to the church. I wanna let you know what so-and-so did to me. No, that's not what he's talking about here. You see, we live in a whole different culture today than what Jesus lived in. Today, in the culture that we live in, if somebody is rebuked or challenged by the elders of the church or by leadership within the church, guess what they do? More often than not, it's not so much a repentance. I wish that it was always repentance, but I can tell you by experience what it is. Hey, there's another church down the street. I don't have to stay here. So rather than changing a heart, Rather than being humble before the Lord, they just move on down the street. You see, that's a difficult thing that we deal with, but it doesn't lessen the reality that we need to follow again the principle of what Jesus is saying. And I think instead of declaring it to a whole church, I believe again the principle of what we got, man, bring it to the elders. Let the elders then as one go to that individual as representatives of the church and say, look, brother or sister, This is what's going on, and we have others that have said this and shared this. This needs to change. Now, if they repent, then great, you've won a brother. But if they don't repent, then again, there are consequences to that. And then the elders, as, again, spokesmen for the local body, can say, you know what? You need to step away from this ministry. You need to back down. You you can't be a part of this ministry anymore because you're stirring turmoil and and confusion. You're, You're bringing sin within this place that you're unrepentant of. We've had to do that once or twice, maybe three or four times in the 25 years of ministry here to where either myself or myself and other leadership within the church have had to go and speak to individuals and say, hey, this can't continue to happen. You need to change or you need to withdraw from the ministry. I wish I could tell you that, man, a lot of those changed, but the unfortunate reality is that a lot of them said, see ya, walked away. And so they bring their sin, they bring their rebellion, they bring the hardness of their own heart, and they go and bless another congregation with it. It's a difficult thing, because not everyone is really desiring to hear the work of the Spirit and and, and be sensitive to the Spirit within their lives. He says, if they don't, then you need to treat them like a heathen, like a tax collector. Oh, that's great. We just write them off. No? How did Jesus treat the heathen and the tax collectors? With love. With love and compassion. Not writing them off, but you understand, I'm not treating you as a brother and sister in the faith because you're not living that way. Apparently, you don't know the Lord. I don't shut off my love. I don't shut off my communication. I don't, I don't block them out of my life. But I, again, begin loving them with the same nature and the same idea and the same thought as Christ in order to hopefully win them back over to Christ, in order that their hearts might be changed. You know what? When you and I close the door, all that does is just put another layer of hardness on them, another layer of coldness of heart. But the Word of God says it's His kindness that's led us to repentance. How do you treat someone when you say you're a heathen or you're a tax collector? Jesus loved them. He loved them into the kingdom. 
And that's what we need to do. That's what we need to be capable of doing, willing to do. Remember, the whole aim of this thing is reconciliation. The whole aim of this thing is to, again, bring brother and sister back together again. The whole aim of this is to remove that barrier, that wall of the offense that's going on. There's so much more that we could say about this, but let me close this with just a couple of questions to you this morning. You may be here this morning, and maybe you've been offended, maybe by someone even within this room this morning. Or maybe you're here this morning, and you've offended somebody even within this room. Or maybe today as we, we've shared these things, the Lord has brought to your mind an offense. You know, there's a twofold responsibility. If you've been offended, it doesn't remove the responsibility. As a matter of fact, the, the word says if somebody has offended you, you need to go to them. So your responsibility as a child of God, as the elect of God, is if somebody has offended you, you need to go and speak to them. Speak to them in love. Come to them in great humility and say, listen, I, I just want to let you know. You might not have meant to, but what happened three years ago really hurt me. Oh, gosh, I hope it's not that long because that's a lot of bitterness to hold on to for a long time. But to go to them and say what you said or what you did, it kind of stuck daggers in my heart and I still bleed through that hole that you put there. In humility, speaking those things. Because in humility and love, the Holy Spirit can work through that. And he can tenderize that heart of one that may have offended not even known it. Wouldn't that be a shame if we went through our lives week after week, month after month, year after year being offended because somebody said something they never knew that they offended and if they had known, man, they would have repented and they would have been brokenhearted because of what they said or what they did and they didn't realize that it hurt you so much. You know it hurt you. They have no clue. The responsibility is yours to go to that brother or that sister and say, I just need to share this with you. To harbor unforgiveness in your life does absolutely nothing to the other one but it'll destroy you. You harbor unforgiveness in your life. It's like the old saying goes, it's like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. You have the poison of unforgiveness and it's gonna kill you spiritually. Maybe God has somebody that you need to speak to. Maybe you need to release that. Don't just release it and walk away. Don't ignore it, no. Go and speak to that one because then that separation, that wall that's there, God can break that wall down and bring you back together in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning. You don't even know the forgiveness of Christ yet in your life. You think that if you do a lot of good things, you think if you, you try to be the right kind of person that everything's good between you and God. But the fact is, is have you surrendered your heart and life? Have you admitted the great need for a savior within your life? And have you received Christ in your life? If not, that's the first thing, that's the most important thing. Above all other things in all of your life, that is the most important decision. That's an eternal decision that impacts you both now and for all eternity.
for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word.